time for my show, Is That Drummer Guy. Now you're listening to That Drummer Guy. Hey Josh, this is the guitar player. You are listening to That Drummer Guy. That Drummer Guy. Oh, where I show you brand new rock and metal you won't hear anywhere else. Introducing so many people to such a diverse array of bands. He gives a crap about heavy metal. He gives a crap about hard rock. Putting out kick-ass metal podcasts. Plus brand new exclusive interviews. The interviews with the helping bands, helping obscure bands especially. And I'm not wearing any pants. So let's begin. That Drummer Guy. Yes. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is That Drummer Guy, and I got four brand new interviews to be able to show off this week from the likes of Them, Oceans of Slumber, Evil Dead, and Shh. And we're going to start things off with the band Them, since we just celebrated Halloween, to be able to talk about the brand new album, Return to Hammersmore, which is available now through Steam Hammer. In this interview, I talked to KK Foster of Them to talk about the entire concept of all three releases from Them so far, the story of KK Foster, what to look forward to in the future, and so much more. And following my interview with KK Foster of Them, I'll be playing the song off the 2020 album Return to Hammersmore, the Tumultuous voyage of Hammersmore. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you were able to uh, get that fixed up, and I'm glad we're able to talk today about this amazing new album to finish off this uh, trilogy with Return to Hammersmore. I think it's just an amazing album. I mean, it was great to be able to uh, talk last time about the previous album, and now just seeing how everything's coming together here. I just really love where you guys are at right now. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it. Uh, we uh, we actually wrote and recorded all the whole album during. Well, a little bit. It started a little bit before the pandemic, and then it just it continued through the pandemic. So it was a very interesting time to write and record um, a record. <laughs> so we're we're very happy with uh, you know how it's being received. Um, you know, we put we put our all into it, just as we've done with the others. But uh, we're actually starting to um, uh, mesh a little bit more tightly as a unit because. When we first started, it was more like a recording project, and it morphed into a band. And you know, it takes time. It's like having you know five different marriages in one. <laughs> so it's it's a little tough, especially when you're dealing with people in different parts of the world. Um, so it was you know it was a growing period, and we're starting to really you know really sink in with um, where we're you know where we're where we evolved to. Oh, and that's just so great to hear that too. I mean. When you really get that feeling of knowing that it's going from a project to a full-on band, and you just get that appreciation knowing that everyone is just, like, uh, fully intact with the band, and, you know, you're able to take a, a, a terrible year like 2020, and just having uh, th- this pandemic taking over uh, the entire world, and just messing with everybody, and being able to put out what might be the strongest album that you guys have done to date, and, of course, it releases tomorrow, I mean, just perfect for Halloween time, I mean, it's just, it's just awesome to see that you were able to take uh, a lot of negatives for 2020 and just make the absolute most positive out of it. Yeah, <laughs> we, we really tried hard with that. Um, I think what the most interesting aspect of this whole thing, of this whole time period was for me personally, having to actually sneak into a recording studio um, at different times during the day because, you know, we, well, actually us, us being in New York, we're not, well, me being in New York, um, I actually was able to work with uh, someone local, uh, actually the the, uh, the producer for the last suffocation, five suffocation records, uh, Joe Sincata, and he actually has a studio about 15 minutes from my house. So I, used, I, I would sneak in to uh, a rear entrance 
go through like this, you know, through various corridors to get to his studio just to not be in contact with him our whole session. And it was very difficult and, um, you know, difficult, difficult process where, you know, each time I had to clean everything and it was just, it was just, it was difficult. Um, and I was the only one going there, but I, you know, he could tell me, oh, nobody else is coming into the studio, but I still had to go through my, my, you know, my, my, uh, my, my little cleaning, cleanings and, and just make sure because I have a family at home and I just had to make sure that I was doing whatever I could do to try to be safe. And it was, it was, try, it was a really trying time. But we, you know, we captured some, some magic, at least vocally, on, you know, on Return to Hemisphere. And, um, musically, everybody, you know, they record in different areas. And, uh, before the pandemic, we, we, uh, the drums were recorded in Colorado. And I was actually there for that process. And it was just a very special process. You know, but you know what? You get roadblocks. Um, some are smaller and some are larger than others. You know, it's just, we just have to deal with that. And we just, we don't crumble up and, you know, blow away or crawl under a rock. We, we face whatever, you know, whatever the situation is and we just try to make it work. And, and the funny thing is, them from the very beginning, like you said, it was a project, but it, it was, it was almost programmed as a, as a pandemic proof band because we've operated in this fashion minus the sneaking into a studio. We've operated in this fashion for two other records. So this is nothing for us. You know, we all record in different places and then the project goes back to the main producer back to Colorado and, and I would fly out there with uh, another band member and we would, you know, finalize the project out there. Things were done a little bit differently, but um, all in all, the basic structure of how the recording process took place was pretty much the same, minus the uh, sneaking, me sneaking. And nobody else had to sneak in. I had to sneak in the studio every every session I had to do. It's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that would actually be a pretty cool idea for a music video, too, where, you know, it's like a, you have to, like, sneak into the recording studio to be able to sing your parts for a music video. I'm just, I've just been imagining that as you've been talking. I think that'd be a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> It would be. Uh, maybe we should do a, another video and, and incorporate that concept. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, and like I was saying before, you know, the the fact that this is releasing actually just in a few hours now, and you know, uh, you know, just in time for the Halloween season, and being able to um, uh, really finish off this trilogy in such a strong way. I mean, I really love where you guys have come with this, and you know, just like a like you mentioned before with uh, the drums being done before the pandemic. It feels like everything in this band just feels so strong because of the production. Like everything is just so crisp and clear, and you can hear how everyone shines on this album. Yeah, the the production is is definitely, in my opinion, at least, uh, is stellar. Uh, that's the, that's the full production was uh, orchestrated by Dave Otero from Flatline Audio in Colorado, and uh, he also recorded the drum tracks as well for this record. Um, previous records we recorded the drum tracks in New York, but, um, this time we, you know, he wanted the whole band out there, but it's, it's, geographically it's a challenge because, you know, three of the members are in, in Germany. And the budget didn't really allow for us to do it the way Dave Otero would like to have done it. Um, me personally, if money wasn't an object, fly everybody over and, you know, we do what we have to do, but we're not at that stage yet. But again, we don't have to do that. We, we also, we've done it this way and we've gotten stronger doing it the, the way we do it. Um, 
you know, maybe recording together, it won't come out as good. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say at this point because we're just so used to doing it this way. And, um, you know, just uh, moving forward, uh, who knows how it's going to be done. But, um, you know, a lot of more bands are, are recording, you know, remotely. It's just it's amazing. And there's actually technology. Now we could be in a studio in New York and... The producer could be in Colorado, and he could record us. <laughs> so we don't even have to go to his studio. He could record us in the studio where we are, and he could control everything from Colorado. That's that's like the latest technology. It's just mind-boggling what you know, what technology with with technology, what we can do these days. Phenomenal. I mean, the mixing of the record. I said previously, um, I would fly with a band member to Colorado and sit there for like two two days, two three days. And yeah, three days, and you know, go through the mix and fine tune and tweak. Well, not this time. This time, the, the the latest technology, which has been fully incorporated into David Taro's setup, which was to literally, while he's mixing and mastering live, I would have a stream, high quality stream. And in some instances, I had to have a bounce down track to hear, you know, like, let's say, oh, I think something is, you know, might be missing. And I always play it on like three different uh, stereo sources um, when I have a, you know, a mastered, a mastered, mixed um, mastered copy of a song. But other than that, other than two or three times, most of the record, it was not a problem listening to it in this fashion through a stream with headphones. It was just, it was mind-boggling. Like, we're sitting here doing this. It's one day you won't even have to go to a studio. You could, you know, just hire an engineer or producer and they, everybody works remotely. It will get to that point at some at some some day. Oh, I totally yeah. see it happening, too. And, you know, the fact that you were able to take advantage of that, you know, you know, with the band being international and, you know, just uh, having it come out the way that it did, too. I mean, everything just sounds so flawless from the production, the mixing, the mastering mastering on it i mean it, i mean if i did not know all of this and this was different times in 2020 i could have sworn you were all in the same studio together from the production stage to the mastering stage wow yeah well you know the most important aspect of having everything fall into the same pocket is um is uh, the click the click track and and um how it's you know how it's uh, built how how is that building built you know the drums have to be perfect, meaning they have to be right where you want them. And then you build a house on top of that, you know? Um, I actually, believe it or not, uh, I recorded my parts, so all the vocal parts, I recorded with no bass. So I recorded over guitars, keyboards, and drums, the whole record, except for one song. And it's just because... They, uh, Germany was locked down. They couldn't go anywhere. Like, they couldn't go anywhere. And, um, um, I, I snuck. I wasn't supposed to go anywhere. And my parts would, took longer than the bass lines. And I knew they would take longer because I had like 30 to 40 tracks of vocals for each song, pretty much. So I had to get working. So that's why I snuck out and snuck into the studio and worked it out. So just so I wouldn't fall behind. I didn't want to, I don't want to rush anything. I wanted it to be, you know, just naturally executed. But, um, you know, it was just mind boggling where, you know, you're locked down and you can only do so much. I still got what I needed to get done. And I just wanted to mention real quick, uh, you mentioned pre just earlier on, I, I forgot to mention it. You mentioned that this is a, um, you know, a three part trilogy. I just wanted to point out, 
um, you know, a lot of inter- you know interviewers that um, you know they say the same thing, and and to a lot of people that's you know how they interpret it, but it's actually one story. Let me take the three records: Sweet Hollow, Man of Seven Gables, and Return to Hemisphere, and you put them all three of them together. It's a single story. It's just three different parts of a single story, and each one, each one of the records have been designed where. It has a, a definite beginning and a definite ending, okay? And they can stand on their own as albums. But when you put them together and you listen to the ending of the first album and the beginning of the second album, it's the same moments in time, except it's seen from a different perspective. And the same thing applies between the ending of the second album and the beginning of the third album, Return to Hemisphere, which is coming out tomorrow. Same concept. It's a different perspective at the at a same moment in time of a single of a single story. Just a different different perspective, and that's how it's tied. That's how the third album was tied into the second. How the second's tied into the first. It's one continuous story. It's the trials and tribulations of K.K. Foster. It's his saga. That's really what this is about. How does he, you know, how does he um, live with all of the pain and suffering that? that haunts him on a day-to-day basis. You know, there's a reason why he's this grouchy old man and he's like, you know, he, he's branded by, you know, by, by townspeople of Hemisphere originally back in the beginning of Sweet Hollow for for, for trying to save his daughter, his, his uh, infant daughter that died. He's tried to resurrect her because he's a grave digger by trade and he's a, a warlock by faith. So we tried to resurrect her. The townspeople, they don't, they weren't going to have that at that time, during that time period. They, 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 they put him on a trial. They destroyed his, his wife and his, his other daughter, his older daughter, Miranda, and his wife, uh, Alyssa, and, um, they burned him alive at a stake. While he watched, they forced him to watch it. And he did resurrect his baby in the beginning of Sweet Hollow. He was successful. They destroyed the baby because they didn't understand and they were, they judged him so quickly without knowing what, what, what was, what was making him, you know, do the things that he was doing. So they branded him, ultimately, they branded him with the mark of evil for his sins, for his, for the crimes that he committed, for the evil sins that he committed. And they let him live so he could carry the sins of his family for the remaining days of his uh, to walk on earth while his the rest of his family were destroyed and that's pretty much why he's he looks like he's pissed he's not a happy guy and he's constantly haunted by the deaths of his family and and he has to try to do some good in the midst of all this but he manages to be you know not much different than like like Ash from Evil Daddy like the, the real anti-hero you know he's like an anti-hero He'll, he will he will in some, in some moments he might have to kill someone to do something good beyond that and it's just it's it's a very interesting so he's not really an evil guy he's not really a, a really good guy but he's he's not a bad person he's he does what he does to, for, to try to do the right thing but sometimes he does bad things but he's not an evil person and um he looks like an evil person so i hope i clarified all of that for you Oh, absolutely. And that actually answered a lot of questions that I did have about uh, thematically what's going on uh, here with uh, Return to Hemisphere as well, too. You know, just uh, being able to see how that uh, does continue on with the story. I mean, especially with uh, being able to 
enjoy the perspectives of the last two albums. I mean, I really love that, you know, uh, being able to see this continue on in all of these different parts and just being able to see the character development that's going on and the world around him. I mean, it's just incredible the work that you've accomplished here. Well, I think I really appreciate that. That's really nice to say that. It was uh, it was definitely very interesting to try to continue the story with with in this fashion because you know uh, you have uh, the, the the you know he's haunted by the deaths of his family and he you know he misses them he wants them back he wants to feel whole again he's not whole he's just incomplete and he's walking this earth almost like a like a zombie he's incomplete and he has an assistant by his side from the very first record he had an assistant and on the first record at the end of the first record there was a family or I should say, on the first record, there was a family, the Hawthorns, that moved into um, uh, 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 the town that, that Sweet Hollow Cemetery um, was part of, okay? And what happened was, KK had come from Hemismore, okay? After he dealt with all of his, um, you know, the deaths, and he was branded, and he fled, okay? So he wound up, he fled, he came across the ocean, and he fled to... Um, a town on Long Island, New York, um, and he became the caretaker of Sweet Hollow Cemetery. So this t- family comes in, moves in, the Hawthorns, and they move right down the road, and he, he befriends the children, because the children don't see him as a monster like other people. Because like, if you've seen a guy with, a, with an inverted cross burned onto his face, you would view him as a monster. But the children didn't view him that way. He took a liking to the girl. Her name was Mary Hawthorne. And he warned the children not to be in the cemetery because there was, he felt this evil presence. Well, ultimately, the children didn't listen to him, and ultimately, Mary became possessed. Mary Hawthorne, who resembled his daughter, Miranda, became possessed with a spirit called the Crimson Corpse. Okay? The Crimson Corpse wanted, wanted her human form, and he was, he was uh, a spirit that was trapped in the cemetery for like 200 years, a long time. So the ultimately the uh, Mary who's possessed goes back to the house, goes back to her home, and she winds up murdering her entire family except for the grandmother. The grandmother always locked her door at night. Okay, that's one one of the reasons why people lock their doors. So she was actually um, agile enough. She wasn't this frail old lady. She was an agile woman, strong woman, and she apprehended her her possessed daughter and took her daughter. I'm oh, sorry, her granddaughter to cemetery because that's where she knew KK and she heard the townspeople say that he had these some some kind of powers and she sought his help and his assistance and he said we you know we have to exercise her so he exercises the demon the the, the spirit okay but the only way to really save her soul, right, which he didn't tell, and this is where it kind of like gets a little, it crosses the line a little bit. He had to kill, he had to kill the girl, the girl's body to thwart the efforts of the, of the crimson corpse to be, to becoming a permanent fixture in our reality. So he did that. Um, the grandmother had died. She, during a scuffle while the, 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 uh, the exorcism was going on, she was knocked over. She hit her head on a stone and she, she, she died. She just, you know, she just died. But he sacrificed Mary. He saved her soul. Him and Remsen, his assistant, they fled. They fled the, the scene. The townspeople chased them down. They chased them and they fled to Manor of the Seven Gables, which was a, a coven, uh, a coven that 
you know, uh, was run by um, uh, all these all these witches that that he that he was aware of, and they took refuge there. And little did they know, the townspeople of Sweet Hollow contracted um, Peter Thompson, the last known witch hunter, who hailed from England to track down KK and and either bring him you know bring him to justice or lay him right there where he stood. So Peter Thompson um, went hunting for KK and caught up with him at the manor. And as he was surrounding um, him and his men surrounding the manor to you know to apprehend KK and bring him to justice, KK uh, instructed Remsen to to leave. Now this is this is some time between the events that ended at Sweet Hollow and where we were in Manor of the Seven Gables part of the story. He uh, he told he instructed Remsen to flee through the secret stairs and go con- and continue the second part of our plan. And the, the listener doesn't know what the, f- the first, second, third. What was what were the parts? You know, second part continued on a seven inch back in the garden where Death sleeps. It was a seven inch containing two singles. That's where Remsen goes back to Sweet Hollow. Now unearths the body of Mary Hawthorne to bring her back. Okay. KK is now apprehended at this point by Peter Thompson. Peter Thompson is not aware that Remsen even exists because he fled through the secret stairs, right? And he apprehends KK. He apprehends the woman who saved, who took KK and Remsen in initially, called uh, her name was Sarah, the scullery maid. And he basically put them on trial. Um, and and destroyed the, any other inhabitants of, of the uh, the coven or the manor, and they burned down the manor. And before KK uh, was to meet his maker, he tied him to a stake, and he you know he also killed Sarah Peter Thompson. And he told KK, he said, "Listen, um, you're about to go, but before you go, I just want to let you know it was I who killed your wife and daughter back in the Hemisphere trials." And KK was just devastated. You know, that just, that just conjured up all these, these haunting feelings, um, you know, to the pinnacle of where he would just, he just broke down. He just broke down. He just, he just shut off. It was over for him. And Peter Thompson was saying this, you know, he was just like heckling him. He was just like, <laughs> you know, and, and mocking him and ridiculing and putting him down and condescending and, and you're going to go meet them. Say hello to your family for me. And he lights KK on fire. And that's how Matter of Seven Gables ends. But you don't know there was some time that transpired between KK being apprehended and Sarah being apprehended and they going on trial. There was some there was a certain amount of time that transpired, which was enough time for for Brenton to go complete the second part of the plan and bring the body of Mary Hawthorne back. So the third the, the third part of the story, return to Hemismore, you have Remsen arriving in the beginning with the body of Mary Hawthorne, right? And he can't, he was supposed to meet his master at, in the town square and he he doesn't see him, but he sees a man tied up at the stake and that other man is going to light him on fire. It's a different perspective of Matter of the Seven Gables ending. And what does he do? He ties, he ties a rope 
to one end of the water tower that, uh, that they had there, this huge water tower for the whole town, and he tied another end to the carriage, the horse-drawn carriage he rode in on, and he cracked the whip. The horse pulled the leg out, knocked the water, the water wa washed all of the men away, extinguished the fire that started to burn KK, and, and, and washed Peter Thompson and his men away, just giving him enough time to free KK and flee. KK at first didn't want to flee. He's defeated. He just learned that, you know, Peter Thompson was the one who killed his family, and there's no reason, like, he's done. And, and, and Remsen reminded him that there is reason to continue, because I have Mary's body. You, we gotta, we have to go back to, to continue the third part of the plan, which was to resurrect Miranda's soul into, or spirit, into the body of Mary Hawthorne. And that, they do that in the field of immortality, the later part of the album, and they are successful, but something doesn't seem right. Something's a little off with her. What is off? Can't pinpoint it. Well, in Maestro's last stand, the last song, he, it, he realizes it's not her, it's the Crimson Corpse that actually manipulated him into thinking that it was Miranda. And he sucks KK into the ground, and KK's gone. Now, moments before that, right when she, right when Miranda's spirit was resurrected into Miranda's, uh, sorry, Harry's body, Peter Thompson and his men, you know, they weren't giving up. They came and they went looking for KK. And they come across, come across the ending of the ceremony. And again, uh, Peter Thompson says to KK, you're not going to get away this time. You know, all my marksmen, you know, ready, aim, we're going to, you know, you're dying. Goodbye. That's it, done. We caught up with you, we're gonna kill you. And he, he just said, wait, do you remember when I told you back in Salem that the next time our paths cross, I would rip your heart out? Because he says that in the song Punishment by Fire. And Peter Thompson laughed and he says, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I remember. And he said, well, I lied. And when he lied, what he meant by that was he didn't, Peter Thompson didn't see it, but his newly resurrected Miranda rips his heart out from behind him. She ripped, she thrusted her, her hand into his back, into, you know, through his, through his cage and ripped out his, his heart. And he just died. And, you know, he was happy she did that, but now let's go home and, you know, continue our happy family. And, you know, something was just off, but for the duration of the remaining part of the record, he started seeing things that just didn't seem right. And in, in Maestro's last stand, that's when he realized. And at that moment when he's getting sucked into the ground, Remsen yells out to him, you know, Master, and um, KK yells back to him, don't forget your bloodline. Don't forget your bloodline. And that's it. So what does that mean? Don't forget your bloodline. It can be interpreted many different ways. But you have to find out. Maybe in a future release. Who knows? Absolutely incredible. And I, I, I was so curious about the ending because I had a feeling it was something like that, but obviously with, uh, just being able to uh, listen to everything, listening to what was going on with the music, you know, it's a, there's a little bit of room for interpretation until you know the whole thing, but knowing that ending behind it, you know, just being able to see those uh, switches that are happening and, you know, potentially what could happen in the future, I just, I'm so excited to see where the band can go from this point forward because it is what seems like such a great finale but now knowing that everything that could happen in the future it's just got me so excited <laughs> well it's um 
there's actually there could, it could remember each album is created where it could be over at that point because um, if you listen to each album independently and not know about the others it could be over or it can continue um, so what I'm saying is it, it is possible that a storyline can continue I don't know if it would be with KK or not, but you know, the time would tell. But it, it's that's the possibility that it could be this continuous thematic concept that continues, and um, it's just one, you know, one part of an adventure, and then there's a different part of an adventure, and it's the trial and tribulations of what one experiences throughout their life. You can look at it like that. Yeah, it is really a great way to do that. And, you know, you know, with that too, you know, obviously with the, with people in general, I mean, there's so many positives and negatives that go into it. You know, whether you're a good person or a bad person or you are just a person, there's so many takeaways that you can take from that. And, you know, it's, it's so great to be able to see that explored here too, because uh, people just aren't black or white. I mean, there's so many different kinds of gray that can go into there. And then when you have like an anti-hero like KK Foster like that, it's just, I just love the way that this has turned out so far. I mean, you know, it's just incredible okay. storytelling from the beginning to all the way now. And of course, uh, with the uh, Return to Hammersport coming out uh, tomorrow, I can't wait for people to be able to check this out. And now knowing where everything is led up to, it's just going to be so exciting for me to be able to go back and listen to all three albums in a row and just really dissect the story even more. And I, I thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be able to explain everything about what's uh, what was going on with the story and, you know, possibly what to look forward to in the future as well. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on to uh, have this uh, nice discussion and you know, I we can't as a group, we can't wait to get back out there and, and play and you know, uh, hopefully it's sooner than later. <laughs> be great. It would be great. Oh, totally. And yeah, again with that, I, I thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this. And of course, uh, uh, the new album Return to Hemsworth coming out tomorrow, October 30th. Absolutely. I hope everyone goes and checks it out and checks out the previous releases to really understand the comment, uh, the concepts and the thematics and everything that's going on within these albums and again i thank you so much for taking the time to do this i was so glad we were able to uh talk again and talk about this amazing album i, I thank you again josh thank you so much for having me on and um you know the band thanks you and we're just very happy to be able to uh you know to create to create some art and music that people you know really enjoy and if you can, if anybody out there that's listening and they want something that they could really sink their, their teeth into, um, I suggest getting the, uh, the actual gatefold album, um, because, you know, who, how many, you know, like you can smell it and touch it and see the unbelievable artwork. That's what I used to do when I was a kid, when I used to buy some of my favorite records, especially gatefolds. You open them up and what's the first thing you do? You smell it. <laughs> I don't know. You smell them and you, you admire the artwork. And, and Mario Lopez, who drew the art for this album, uh, is just phenomenal. He did the last one as well, Now the Seven Gables. But Return to Hemisphere, it's there's little Easter eggs in the artwork as well. Um, I won't say where, but there's a few Easter eggs, so I would take a look at it closely. Oh, that is so cool. And yeah, I mean, when I get the chance to be able to check this out in the physical gatefold form, I'm definitely going to be uh, looking for that as well, too. And yeah, again, um, I do appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, being able to talk again. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, with the times in 2020 being so turbulent, it's it's uh, great to see that everything that you were able to accomplish here. I can't wait to see what the fans think uh, starting in a few hours now, being able to check out this album and 
uh, you taking the time to be able to uh, take this press day and be able to talk. Yeah, I, I, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I hope you stay safe and, and have, enjoy your Halloween, and everybody enjoy Halloween um, as best as you can.
And welcome back to the show. You just got done hearing the band Them with a tumultuous voyage to Hemismore off the 2020 album Return to Hemismore, which is available now through Steam Hammer. And before that was my interview with KK Fosser of Them. And up now we're going to be going into a bit of a different territory, both musically here and for the musician involved, with the project known as Shh whose debut EP is available now directly through the band. In this interview, I talked to Sammy from Insafirum about how this whole project came together. Insafirum touring, hopefully in 2021, the new Metal De Facto album, which will be coming out in 2021, and so much more. And following my interview with Sammy of Shh, I'll be playing a song off the self-titled debut EP, a song known as I Consume. Hello, Charles. Can you hear me? Yes, again. Super. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you doing? I'm okay. I Actually, I got a flu, so I had to visit a, a doctor to get a corona test. <laughs> but my current job, it's very strict. Whenever you have flu, you need to take this test. So oh, what? that's why I was I, I was gone for for a while. Oh, um, but otherwise, well, okay. Yeah, well, but it's just, I just have a cold. I don't feel any other symptoms, but it's just very strict. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that part, and I'm hoping that uh, everything comes back negative and everything will be uh, coming out uh, uh, the way it should. But, um, you know, with that, uh, I'm glad that uh, we were able to uh, catch up once again. And, um, you know, oddly enough, not talking about Insomferum, but uh, talking about some brand new music from your side of the, of the uh-huh. realm here. And it's great to be able to see, like, uh, you expanding what a lot of people may not know that you were capable of with just doing Insafirum, but being able to really broaden your horizons here with this new EP. Yes, well, it's, uh, well, I, when I started this crowdfunding campaign, I told it's like, a, it's been like a skeleton in the closet, this kind of <laughs> industrial electric stuff that I always loved. Since I, I would say Prodigy was probably the first one that really, really got me into this kind of stuff. Uh, but it was really about uh, technology, pretty much, that I, I didn't have the means uh, to do it. But nowadays, you can do so much with just in your home studio. So what I just needed was uh, professional guys to mix it and help with the graphics and Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's the great thing about technology these days. I mean, especially with uh, the the price of recording equipment going down so much compared to what it was decades ago. And, you know, people being able to have their own home studios at home now and being able to at least come up with demos, if not full on uh, releases. And it's great to see that you were actually able to make this come to fruition like that. Yeah, I'm very happy. Well, I've been building it up slowly and it's yeah, I, I just record. I, it's totally different story to really have the know-how and uh, have the equipment to really mix. Well, maybe not the equipment that much, because nowadays you can do so much with just plugins and well, still some, well, quite many uh, studio engineers use like real, you know, hard, <laughs> how do you call it, hardware, you know, effects and compressors and so on. But uh, yeah, I, I have the means to record, but that's pretty much it. But uh, that's why you need to ask help from other people, and then you're going to have a professional result. Oh, absolutely. And that's what comes here with uh, the self-titled release. I mean, it's just, it's it's really great to see, like, uh, all seven of these ideas coming through here, and then being able to see uh, an acoustic version of I Consume on there, too. I mean, it's great being able to hear, like, both sides of that coming through. I mean, like, the, the, the full-on edition and the acoustic version. Yeah, that's something that uh, I remember when I sent it uh, when I sent the EP to our manager. Well, it's Enzi Pedals and Milo Band's Pedal Factors manager and a good friend of mine. Well, I, I sent him the EP and uh, he was like, "Yeah, this is really good stuff." And I was like, "What the what the fuck is the last last song? Like, is this some kind of Finnish humor?" <laughs> I was like, "No, it's I like acoustic stuff and uh, 
most of the stuff that I have ever composed, for for example, for Ensi Ferrum, it's just me sitting down with the acoustic guitar and uh, you know humming a melody and just playing chords. So it's something that I really enjoy uh, playing acoustic guitar and uh, doing like acoustic versions of stuff. So one one time I was just jamming and I noticed, oh shit, this is I consume. <laughs> then I realized, oh, this would work very well as a kind of bluegrass version. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm gonna include it on the album. And the funny detail about that. That's the only song with real drums on the EP and uh, played by <laughs> played by me. And uh, thank God it's a simple song because I'm really not a drummer. <laughs> well, that that's so cool, though. I mean, when I was listening to that version, I was wondering if there was a, a real drums going on with there or not. But um, you know, even with the simplicity, I thought you did an amazing job with that. I mean, knowing that you did the beat behind that, and then the idea of being able to do the full-on acoustic version of "I Consume," I I really love how that came together. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, and yeah, there's like upright bass and everything. I don't know if you can really hear it that well, but uh, uh, if I ever do this kind of stuff again, I, I think I probably get more, even more blue grassy version. But let's let's see. Actually, uh, I might go in totally different kind of direction with the <laughs> with the bonus tracks in the future. Let's see. Oh, I would I would totally love to hear that too. I mean, even. Uh, with this release, you know, it's just like, it, it was great to be able to hear you going into a different style and, you know, just uh, being able to show that you can play all these different instruments, that you can come up with all these different ideas for genres, and then you're able to do like kind of a bluegrass acoustic song at the very end of it. I mean, you know, it's just like, it, it just shows that you're capable of so much more than Insufferum for what uh, a lot of people may know you for, and the more that they dig deep into what this is about, I mean, it's going to be great to be able to see what else you can accomplish with this uh, i think that's uh i dare to say that's the same thing with uh, most of the musicians uh they have a lot of potential and i i dare to say like even will to do different kind of stuff uh, let's say take like acdc guys you know they have mastered what they do decades ago but i'm sure sometimes they like to jam other kind of stuff but <laughs> maybe they don't do it that publicly they have their own skeletons in the closet who knows who knows oh it's very possible and you know i'm glad to see that these uh, skeletons did come out of the closet because i'm always a fan of when a band you know when either it's uh they're taking uh time off they're writing between albums you know touring or something like this in 2020 where everything gets uh, scrapped out the window and we just got to figure yeah. out what we're doing for the rest of the year that you actually were able to take the time to be able to continue working on this you know rather than you know just sit and wait for when touring or possibility of studio opening up to record new music for Insufferum, you just went and took it upon yourself to be able to actually get your solo work together with this and actually have this come out in 2020. I think it was the only possible way to do it. Usually I'm on tour so much and uh, when you come out of, come from the tour you have other obligations and uh, you know, normal life. <laughs> so then there's that not much time, but now there was well, a few weeks. I really did this when Corona kind of started. Uh, no one knew how long it's going to last. And uh, maybe I still had my hopes up that like in the end of the summer, we're going to do some festivals. He was just thinking like, yeah, yeah, I have a few weeks off now. So yeah, a bunch of raw ideas, maybe not. Well, maybe, you know, record this stuff now and uh, try this uh, crowdfunding thing because uh, it sounded like a good idea how to get the finance for this. And Yeah, but when the Corona seemed to last a bit longer, uh, I, you know, have to pay my bills, so I applied for a normal job, and now it would be impossible to do this one, because, uh, yeah, it takes like 10 hours of my day just to you know to travel to work and 
at a normal shift and then come back home and that's it. So I'm very happy that I did it in the spring. But I have, uh, say, maybe four songs almost ready for this band or project. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to, once this is out, it's going to be released end of this month. Uh, then I'm really going to focus on the new songs and uh, try to get, maybe even get one single, new single out this year. Let's see. Oh, that that'd be incredible to see if that if that can happen or not and you know especially when uh, 2020 has uh, taken so many things uh, away you know that you're still able to go out there provide for yourself and you know uh, ev- even with the travel that comes with uh, working jobs like that I mean the the, the fact that yeah. you're still thinking about uh, uh, this release thinking about uh, writing songs for it, thinking about uh, what could happen in the future I mean, it's great mm-hmm. to see that that passion is still going on despite everything going on. Absolutely, and uh, at the same time, we're working with new Enziferum songs, and uh, yeah, my power metal band Metal Effector, we are working with the second album. Uh, the first album came out pretty much a year ago. I think it was November. So we have all the songs ready pretty much for the second album, so now it's just about starting to record that. So yeah, the passion for music is always there, oh. no matter if there's a like a day job. <laughs> screwing up my schedule but oh absolutely that will never go away yeah and i'm glad to hear that you guys are working on the second album too i mean i loved what you guys uh did and released last year i mean that that's got me excited to see what will happen in 2021 whatever the case is i mean i really love what you guys did with the first album i can't wait to hear what comes well, thank next you. thank you yeah it's uh well you can definitely recognize the band but uh well, I guess every musician say that it's going to be better than the previous one, but I think it's only natural to feel that way because uh, from every recording session, every album, whatever, well, every release, you learn something from that session. Uh, even even the EP now, if I listen to it now, I can hear like, damn, you know, I could have done this and this. Well, if I'm better but differently, you know, like small arrangement stuff, not nothing big, I'm very happy with the result and uh, very proud of the song. But that's how it goes always you notice small things afterwards like damn you know next time i'm, I'm gonna do this differently and uh, and uh that's why i'm really looking forward to all the all the new stuff that's coming up uh, new enzy federal new metal factor and yeah new solo stuff oh yeah i mean yeah again you know between all three of those going on and you know just the the, the quality work that you're doing and you know it's just it's so great to see all of this happening and you know it's just a, it, it is such a shame what's happened here in 2020 with uh covid and the the full-on yeah. pandemic that's still going on here and you know the fact that in america it's still going as uh, rampant as it is you know like one of the strongest uh countries where yeah. where people are continuing on uh, getting killed every day from this i mean it's just absolutely insane what what yeah. could happen with the brand new virus that, that no one expected to come out of this i mean maybe like a previous disease or something but something brand new like this and people scientists just trying to understand it and it, it's just so unfortunate that uh, especially the live arts and entertainments are getting affected so hard by that and there's they're just having to worry so much about like the the studio side and writing songs of what they can do until things can get back to some kind of normalcy yeah absolutely that i really feel well, sorry for many of my friends uh, you know, musicians, technicians, who uh, maybe didn't have a plan B. Uh, that's why, you know, Sami of today is really thanking Sami of the past because I studied like two professions 20 years ago. So that's why I could get a job now and to, just, you know, pay my bills. So I, I will manage, but I really feel sorry for the guys who don't have any plan at the moment, are just waiting for things to start again or trying to go in school and re-educate themselves. And it's, that's hard. But it's and it's a global thing, so 
it's uh, really affecting hundreds of thousands of people. Oh, it truly is. And yeah, again, you know, it's just like none of us kind of expected this to happen. And nah. I am so, I mean, that is very fortunate that you were able to uh, re- rely on your other path in life and being able to do that until things get back to some kind of normalcy. And, you know, I can just imagine, yeah. be it's in uh, 2021, possibly even 2022, whatever the case is, when you're finally able to get back on that stage. I mean, I can only imagine that's yeah. going to be the greatest feeling. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, we did one uh, festival in uh, in Finland this summer. It was, it was a lot of fun, even though it was a festival set you know not that long and it was one hour or something and but it was a lot of fun and we had the new events for remember becca the keyboard player slash clean vocal singer really on stage with us for the first time and uh, it was a lot of fun i i really cannot wait to get on a proper tour and, and do like big festivals around europe and yeah coming back to north america that's always a pleasure but <laughs> Uh, you know, our management and uh, booking agencies, they are, well, obviously they have plans for next spring, but it really doesn't look that good now, to be honest. Uh, I mean, even if they would come up with the vaccine today, just the, the manufacturing and distributing it, that's so big project. So, well, of course, I hope that will be a touring next spring, but uh, it doesn't look that good at the moment. Oh, that, yeah, that is the unfortunate reality of what's going on in the world. But, I, yeah. you know, as long as, you know, things can continue to go in the right direction and shows are able to come back at some point, I mean, it's going to be amazing mm-hmm. to hear what you guys are doing now with Becca, being able to hear the new music live, hear what you guys are coming up with for the next release. You know, it's just like, it. it's, yeah. it's obviously a lot of pain that's going on in the world right now, but I'm really hoping at the end of it when, uh, hopefully some kind of normalcy comes back and I get to hear some new Insiferum and all of the other work that you do, uh, especially in that live setting when I get to see you guys again here in Minnesota. I mean, I think it's just going to be yeah. incredible to be able to have that experience of seeing you guys live again. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah, Minnesota has always been. It's one of the best anyway. <laughs> in the whole, whole, whole continent, there's always really good atmosphere in these shows. Oh, and I'm so glad to hear that too. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, North America is still uh, very much on the radar when there is touring coming back. I know Europe's doing a bit better than us right now, and I imagine that uh, European tours would be coming first before North America. But, you know, I'm still glad to see that you guys were able to play a a show in Finland a a couple months back. And even though that that might be it for quite a while, I'm glad to see that there was still something that could happen in 2020 just to see what that live feeling was like again. Yeah, we actually have two shows now uh, uh, for, uh, I think it's December uh, in Helsinki. But those are like very limited uh, capacity. I think it's like two, max 300 people in the whole venue that normally holds like eight. 900 people or something like this uh, Amorph is just playing three shows same venue uh, they had like no no they had six shows they had two shows per day like the first one was uh, their first 10 years the second was second day they played two shows just songs from their second decade and the, and the third day they had two shows playing songs from the last 10 years that was a really cool idea and yeah they played six shows in uh, in three days that's kind of cool oh, that so really- there, there's still, there is still some live activity here but uh, it's really changing like weekly basis I dare to even say daily basis there's this constant kind of fear <laughs> Like every morning when you open the news, like, okay, like the damage reports, you know, how many <laughs> cases in the last 24 hours. And uh, I guess the government also and uh, health, you know, uh, professionals, how do you call it, the organization, they are monitoring the situation. And, uh, and now there are more restrictions on nightclubs and bars. So naturally, it's going to affect the live scene. But let's see, I still have my hopes up for the December shows. It would be really cool to play those. Oh, totally. And I, I didn't realize Amorphous did that. And I love the idea of how they did that, too. I mean, because they are 
so diverse with their sound. I mean, when you go between every decade, there's some brand new sounds that's going into it every time. So that's such a great idea. I mean, in, in when it comes to you with uh, Insufferum, I think that would be a really cool idea, like uh, being able to go into the classics, being able to go into the newer stuff and in between. I mean, you, or, well, even just getting to play those shows coming up in December, I mean, that's going to be a great feeling in and of itself. But I can imagine it's going to be quite strange playing to what would be normally like a third of the capacity compared to everything else but still it's great to see that fans are going to be able to get that opportunity yes absolutely and it's going to be well i'm quite sure it's going to be a bit weird even though there's going to be audience because we did this stream show when the new album came out and that was that was very weird though <laughs> playing a kind of rehearsals in front of camera and I'm, I've never been a big fan of making music videos anyway, so that was a bit weird. But anyway, the playing for smaller capacity, that's going to be, well, better than nothing. But I'm sure people are also going to have, you know, the social distancing mode on. So the, I, I doubt that there will be any mosh pits or crowd surfing or anything like that. I think people are just going to stand like one meter apart and <laughs> and just in, enjoy the music and maybe sing along. But that's how I, I guess it's going to be. But let's see. If people get drunk, maybe they forget it and not have mosh pits. <laughs> well, that's very true. I mean, once I alcohol comes into the equation a lot of things start to slide exactly then many things are not that serious anymore (laughs) (laughs) well that's so true but yeah i mean again you know like uh getting back into uh this new release coming up here i'm i'm you know besides the fact that it i'm glad you were able to make the time to be able to have this coming out in 2020 i love the fact it's actually coming out the day before halloween too i mean it seems like uh the 30th of october is like a big metal release day that's uh, been going on with a lot of releases that i've been seeing and i'm glad to see that you were able to add it for that too i mean it feels very appropriate uh, I'd say that was just a coincidence, but uh, yeah, <laughs> now that you mention it, yeah, it, it's quite a cool thing. Yeah, it kind of fits, well, Halloween and Metal, they kind of fit, fit in together. <laughs> oh, very much so. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, again, when, you know, it's just when I listen to the music and stuff, and, you know, just like he- hearing these different sides and, you, you know, being able to hear this more of the electronic industrial kind of sound that uh, you were going for with this, and, you, you know, it's just like uh, you were having this skeleton in your closet, and you're finally able to uh, finally able to unre- uh, release it to the crowd. I mean, you know, obviously this has been worked on for a long time, but where did the like the first ideas come from that you wanted to release something like this? Hmm. Well, like I said, I liked a lot of this kind of music a long, long time ago. Uh, I, I started in the 90s. Yeah, I remember, well, Prodigy and uh, Nine Inch Nails, White Zombie and stuff like this. Uh, but I think it was Peter Tactrain's Pain and the album Rebirth. I think that oh, yes. was the first time I was like, I was like, fuck, you know, this is good stuff. And uh, maybe someday it would be cool to do something like this. But uh, at, at that time, uh, you know, having a PC laptop with <laughs> old Sound Blaster uh, sound card or whatever, and there was really no chance to create uh, professional stuff at home. At least I didn't have the know-how. Uh, well, I was recording like really shitty demos already then, but uh, I think that was like the, like the first time I was thinking like, yeah, this could be cool to do something like this. And that was really in the early thousand. And my friend had this album and uh, yeah, I couldn't find the album anywhere from Helsinki for some reason. Maybe it was sold out in all record stores. And uh, I was going to Stockholm with my friends to see Mr. Bungle, uh, Mike Patton's band. Oh, yes. And 
and uh, I was on a crusade. I, <laughs> I was on a holy mission that yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in Stockholm, so there has to be a record store that sells pain. And yeah, I found it, and it's one of the it's kind of gem in my uh, album collection because there's uh, this cool story that I just didn't download it from somewhere. I really went to another country to get it, and I think there even is still is the sticker with the you know Swedish crowns, the price still in the <laughs> in the city. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, the case. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's all right. No, but no, um, I mean, Rebirth is such a great album, and I, I just love everything that Payne's done. I mean, uh, even Coming Home, I thought was such an amazing album to come out in 2016, yeah. and I just, I've always loved what Peter's done with, with Payne, and, you know, the fact that you were able to get inspiration like that, and I'm also very jealous that you got to see Mr. Bunkle as well. I've never gotten the opportunity, but, you know, being able to do that, and, you know, being able to find that, that that's just so cool. Yeah, and what I really love, uh, uh, well, I Payne. But I think Peter has always done this with such pride. I mean, <laughs> like in the early 2000s, uh, I think it was kind of a bold move to make something that sounds like something like Eurodance, but still metal enough. And uh, especially a guy that's known for hypocrisy, that was like a brave move. But he really did it with uh, pride. And I really like that, you know, as a musician, yeah, I like to do this kind of stuff. And there we go. And... Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just, you know, the you know, the guy that is so known for writing death metal about aliens shows that he can show off a different side of himself. And, you know, I think that's uh, very translated to uh, your career as well, too. I mean, you're not just known for what you can do in Insiferum. I mean, you, you do amazing work with power metal. You're doing amazing work here, uh, showing off the industrial and electronic sides of what you can do. And, you know, just uh, being able to balance all of that out in some kind of way, shape or form. I mean, it's just, I know for some people, it's hard enough just having one band and uh, one project to be able to focus on. But the fact mm. that um, you're able to do all this, show all that to shine, and now coming up on the 30th of October, being able to have uh, the rest of the world being able to check this out because it is such a great release. And yeah, I'm Thank really you. excited for people to be able to hear it because, I mean, I've been able to check it out, uh, courtesy of you, uh, being able to check this out and just loving what you're doing. And I hope others feel the same way as I do. Well, let we shall see, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm very happy that I've been able to do it this way. And uh, now that I look back, like when I was starting to play bass, like as a kid, there was not there was not that many bass players in my hometown, and uh, so I was kind of wanted. <laughs> uh, so I might have, might have had like seven band rehearsals per week, but with different bands, like different style, like have like death metal, and next day it was funk, and then pop, and. Uh, and whatever and then at some point my dad who was a drummer since he was 12 or something like this he was playing like a, how do you call it like like old dance music but you know real like tango and waltz and the stuff that people have in, in weddings <laughs> he, he, he was playing these kind of gigs and at some point he asked me to play this kind of stuff with him also like playing in uh, pubs and yeah weddings and companies Christmas parties and uh, so that also opened my eyes to that kind of style and where, where I'm going is that uh, I've been always playing with different people and a lot of different kind of music I think that kind of broadened my horizon. Uh, I even played in a, what do you call it, like chill out down tempo band where we didn't even have a drummer. It was just two guys besides me. They playing guitars and have tons of keyboards. And we even played some shows like it was like after parties of rave. You know, people have been raving their ass off for hours, and uh, then we start playing chill out stuff at 3 a.m. <laughs> but it just kind of proves that I've always always been about like playing with nice people and. Uh, and that's actually the advice that I always give for young musicians, that uh, you should try to broaden your horizon as much as possible and play, learn other kind of stuff, and not just, even though if you love death metal, of course it's cool to know the classic, but 
just learn few soils from other genres also. It might help you with, come up with something more original also. And to respect other genres. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, when uh, when I play drums, I mean, the, the very first thing I was a part of was a cover band, just playing on weekends, playing in the bars. And then I got yeah, into yeah. original music, uh, started playing like uh, thrash metal and then progressive metal and then technical death metal. And then, you know, just like uh, being able to appreciate all these different sides, you know, it's like you start to appreciate groove. You start to appreciate uh, technical ability. You start to appreciate that songwriting process because it, in every genre, there is something that you can appreciate musically that's going on and something that you can take for your own ability. And the fact you were able to take everything from uh, classic wedding music uh, all the way to death metal, all the way to uh, chill music and being able to incorporate that either into your bass or just your songwriting and instrumentation in some place. I mean, I, I've always found that uh, being able to listen to other music and appreciate other music is just a great thing to be able to progress yourself. Otherwise, you have that fear of becoming stagnant because you're not coming up with new ideas. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, again, I ju just being able to see this here on, on this release alone and then uh, everything to look forward to uh, coming up in the future hopefully again with everything coming back to normalcy but now just uh here in 2020 being able to see this release you know just under a half hour some amazing music that you got going on and then that great twist at the end with the acoustic version of i consume it's just a fantastic release and i just love the people that you were able to get a part of this being able to help mix and master and the the cover art and the, the yeah the cover art with the colors and everything that's going on there i think it just perfectly matches the mood of the release and you know just you know, even though it took a very long time to be able to get this off the ground and finally make it come to fruition, the more I listen to it, the more that I do realize it was absolutely worth the wait. Well, thank you. Really make me blush here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you absolutely deserve it. I mean, with everything that you're capable of with the songwriting and being able to go between instruments, and even when you don't feel comfortable with drums, you're still able to make a really cool beat come out in that acoustic form of I Consume. And, you know, it's like, I wouldn't have even guessed that was you on the drums. I mean, that just felt like such a, a great natural part of it. And, you know, uh, being able to play stand-up bass as well and just showing off that, um, you know, again, you know, it's a lot of people people like the pigeonhole people like uh, they're only capable of one instrument or being able to play one kind of style because that's all they're familiar with and you're, you're continuing to burst through those doors showing off that you can play all these different styles all these great instrumentations and yeah i mean just seeing this coming out now everything to look forward to in the future i mean it's just great to be able to talk to you about all of it i mean this has been great Thank you, and uh, I think that that's a good uh, mentality for life. To keep learning. Uh, I mean, I I'm no master with the guitar, but uh, I try to play as often as possible. You know, to become better, and then I can uh, create even more. You know, come up with more complex stuff. Even though that's not, uh, you know, something that should be the aim, but just to have the you know the <clears throat> the tools to be able to do stuff that, that there's no like limitation. So I think it's just good mentality in life to keep learning, and uh, you know, the br your brain is 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 an organ it's like a muscle you need to tease it you need to learn new stuff or otherwise 
it's going to wither away. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think with that, I think that's an amazing note to end on. And I got to thank you again for taking this time to be able to talk to me. Um, I'm very happy we were able to do this and you reaching out to me to be able to uh, at least cover this in some kind of way. And I'm so thankful for it because this release is so awesome. I can't wait for everyone to be able to check it out next week. Uh, I I know this is going to rank very high on my best of 2020 list that I do. And it was just great to be able to catch up again. I know it's been uh, a few years now, but it's always great to be able to talk to you. I mean, whether it's in person or over Skype, it's always a great time to be able to talk to you. And I can't thank you enough, even though uh, you're feeling under the weather right now, the fact that you were able to take the time to be able to talk to me, it's truly appreciated. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Josh, for yeah this opportunity to talk <laughs> and you know showing interest to uh, my solo stuff. And because uh, it's it's not that easy. I, I really noticed this. Uh, but, uh, it's easier when you have a label and you know the press people, A and R, you know contacting uh, people. Then it's easier to get uh, attention. So thank you very much for this chance to talk about the EP. And anyway, really cool to catch up with you. And I really hope we'll see you soon again, face oh. to face. And uh, let's grab a, a beer or something. Oh, absolutely. When you guys come back here to Minnesota, I, I'd love to be able to grab a beer, too, and being able to catch up on good times, because it, it's going to be yes. a, a lot, I mean, it's going to be too long that that happens. I mean, a lot of stuff to be able to catch up on and talk some good music and have some good quality here.
Welcome back to the show. We're just an hour in, and you got done hearing the project known as Shh with the song I Consume off the 2020s self-titled EP. And before that was my interview with Sammy of Insiferum, and also the leader of Shh. Coming up now, we're going to be switching gears once again and heading over to America with the band known as Oceans of Slumber to talk about the self-titled album, which is available now through Century Media. In this interview, I talked to Alexander Lucian, new guitarist of Oceans of Slumber, to talk about what it's like joining the band, what it was like learning the old material, what it was like writing the new material, discovering the works of Dan Swano, who just so happened to mix and master the album, and so, so much more. And following my interview with Alexander of Oceans of Slumber, I'll be playing the song that Dan Swano has even gone on to say has the most epic ending that he's ever mixed and mastered for a band off the 2020 self-titled album with a song known as A Return to the Earth Below. Oh, howdy. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm glad we're able to finally get this going and uh, be able to talk about one of my favorite albums of 2020 without question, the self-titled album from Oceans of Slumber, which of course is available now through Century Media. I just love seeing where the band came from and how much you guys have expanded into what you are now and now being able to create the best work that you guys have done so far. That means a lot, thank you. Oh, absolutely. You know, so, you know, with that in mind, I mean, with the album coming back, or being available back September 4th. I mean, what's it like to have this album out for about a month and a half now? Uh, it seems to be pretty well responded, which feels pretty nice. Um, we're still always consistent, consistently getting, uh, you know, shares and stuff like that, and people loving it and their stories on Instagram and things like that. Um, it, yeah, it feels really nice to see that kind of positive feedback to it. Yeah, I really like seeing that, too. I mean, uh, I mean, the very first... Uh, reception that I've seen for the album when uh, things were starting to come out was actually from Dan Swano, who was able to help create m and make this album sound so spectacular. And, you know, when you're getting high praise from Dan Swano, I mean, I think you're doing something right when it comes into the metal world. Oh, he was super excited about it, even throughout the whole process. He was, you know, giving high praise to, you know, all of his, all of the work he was doing on it, saying, you know, like, oh, it's one of the most bombastic things he's ever mixed and stuff like that, which, I mean, definitely it up for us too. Oh, that, yeah, that's such a cool thing to be able to see that and getting such high, highest praise from him. And, you know, uh, seeing the most praise I, I've seen from the band so far with this album and uh, just with every video, every single that's been released and just the seeing people that have never checked out the band before checking out you guys for the very first time with this album and just seeing what you're all about. I mean, it's great to see that in a year like we've had in 2020. Oh, yeah, definitely. I hope it's. I hope for all the new people that it's either an eye-opener to what's going on or just something to basically grab onto in a time where there's nothing really to grab onto or that you want to grab onto. Oh, totally. And, you know, it, it's great to see that uh, uh, with the new lineup change that did happen within the band that you were able to be uh, a part of the band with Samir and just really adding uh, to the atmosphere of what Oceans of Slumber was all about. And I think you two really added something to... Oh, the band that wasn't there before, and it's just incredible to see that. Well, it's it's something that I guess is not easy to realize if you're the one in the band. Because, you know, when I, I first heard about the band, you know, because I lived in Houston, Texas, and uh, so my mom was friends with the band and stuff like that, and uh, she would all sh show me the stuff even before it even came out. And even throughout, you know, Winter and the Blue EP and uh, Banished Heart, I was already a pretty big fan. They're like uh, one of my top favorite bands. So being able to join into it and uh, now being able to contribute to it and it being so well received is pretty important to, to me, I guess. Oh, totally. 
totally. I mean, when you get to join up with a band that you are such a fan of, and, you know, of course, uh, being in the area to be able to do that as well, I mean, it, it's just such a great feeling when you're able to do something like that and, you know, play a little bit of a different style than you're used to as well. I mean, of course, with the other work that you've done, it's cool to be able to see you, you spread your wings a bit and seeing what you could do with Oceans of Slumber. Well, it's actually pretty funny because I was from Houston, but I'd actually been living out, out of Houston since probably about 2014. And so I moved back down to Houston to join the band in, you know, uh, the beginning of 2019. And so, like, you know, the, they, we were getting word that the other previous band members were leaving and they were, like, doing tryouts and stuff like that. And I just messaged Dauber and I was like, uh, you mind if I send you some stuff and see where this goes? And uh, pretty much he just gave me a gig go because he had known my, my mom for so long uh, that he pretty much knew about what I was capable of. So I basically kind of just packed all my stuff and drove down there from Washington, Washington State. Oh, that that's incredible. I mean, <laughs> being able to make that trek all the way down there and, you know, just, just to audition, I mean, let alone getting uh, the gig, if you were even going to get it, I mean, that's a lot of commitment on your end, and it's it's great to see that you did follow through with that. Well, it was like, it's an opportunity I, I couldn't pass on. It was, yeah, it's like too much. It's like, it's the same feeling for me, it's like, oh, if Opeth, you know, their guitar player dropped out, and they're like, hey, you want to try for this? I'm like, uh, well, I don't think that's even a question. <laughs> <laughs> so, w when you did get the opportunity to be able to try out for Oceans of Slumber, I mean, what was it like to be able to uh, be there and be able to, uh, you know, play back the early day Oceans of Slumber song and uh, being able to do it with your finesse? Well, the main part of the challenge really was, you know, the, the some of these songs have been out for, you know, five years now, like uh, on the winter and stuff like that. So, trying to learn them by ear and, like, messaging, messaging, messaging Dauber to see, like, hey, you got these guitar tracks by any chance? And him saying, no. It's like, okay, well, here we go. Got to really buckle down and study to get some of this done. But it feels really cool to dissect the old music and really get into what it is. It, when you learn a song on an instrument, it really changes the song for you versus when you just listen to it. So being able to go down there and like play some of my favorite songs with them and audition was uh, it's pretty cool, even if I was nervous a little bit. But Oh, I can imagine so. But, you know, that also says a lot for your talents as well. I mean, being able to learn so much of that just by ear and, you know, being being capable enough to be able to learn the songs good enough to be able to get the gig. I mean, yeah, I mean, the fact that you were able to do that by ear with very technical songs, especially in uh, certain parts in the back catalog, that's incredible. Well, um, gosh, I kind of forgot what I was going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's all right. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so cool to see that uh, you were able to go through this process and be able to learn the, the, the back catalog and, and then eventually being able to work on the self-titled album, which it, it's cool to see that you were actually a part of the process as well, and you just didn't join up afterwards like you were actually a part of it. Oh yeah, definitely. There was, a, you know, a couple songs that were already kind of in, in process of being written, you know, like they have their form done and stuff like that. It's just a matter of, you know, inject your own flavor into this. Um, but it's it still, yeah, feels really good to listen back now and see what, again, what Dan Swano did to it, and uh, just to, just to see overall end results is pretty exciting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's always been one of my dreams was to get uh, tracks done by Dan Swano to make them sound the best that they possibly can be. And I can only imagine how that was for you and the band. I mean, being able to get those tracks on this monumental album and just hearing that back and your first time with the band with new recordings, being able to hear that back with such clarity, that had to be such a great experience. Well, and, and even then for me, because 
you know, Bloodbath is one of my favorite bands, and to have, the, you know, basically one of the founding members of Bloodbath work on your stuff, your guitar tone, and tell you, oh, this is like one of the best HM2 tones I've ever worked with, it's like, really? Thanks? <laughs> Besides the fact, you know, like, we were kind of, when I first joined in the band, Dobbert showed me Edge of Sanity, and I was completely blown away and taken over for months by Edge of Sanity. So again, having Dan Swan do that, it's like, having him put on those old school tones, it's like, you want all this reverb on there and stuff like that to make it sound like this older style, it's like, it's just cool. Oh, definitely, and that, that's so cool that you got into Edge of Sanity from joining up with Oceans of Slumber. Edge of Sanity is one of my favorite bands of all time, and you never realize it until you actually check out the band, like, how monumental they were to death metal and progressive death metal and so many different styles of music until you actually go back and hear the music and then when you look at his back catalog of what he's been able to mix and master and put everything together just a gigantic list from all different kinds of music and now knowing that uh, easily one of the best albums if not the best album of 2020 it was also held by him when it comes to that side of it and with your work and what everyone did with the band being able to shine off throughout the album I, I just can't wait to see where you guys are going to be going from here on out. Uh, well, first step is definitely going to be prevailing through uh, this whole crisis. <laughs> But, um, I mean, pretty much, like, we can't do a whole lot until, you know, we're open to be able to tour and things like that, and when it, once it's safe and stuff. But in the meantime, it's just kind of like working with the band to do, you know, some, playing on future things, like maybe some fun videos or stuff like that, or some small releases or something. Oh, yeah, and that absolutely makes sense, and I'm really hoping within 2021 that things can get back to some kind of normalcy, and you guys are able to go back out and tour. I mean, seeing how relentless Oceans of Slumber was with uh, tour before everything happened here in 2020. I mean, I want to be able to see that again because this album absolutely deserves that live promotion. I mean, as great as it sounds on record, I really want to hear it in the live setting. Oh, there's so much more fun to play live, definitely. And, you know, with within a mind, I mean, obviously with uh, you being able to contribute to the self-titled album and then going back and learning uh, the previous material, I mean, how do you feel you've progressed as a guitarist now, I mean, with uh, being able to learn stuff like Oceans of Slumber and being able to try out uh, new ideas, how do you feel you progressed? Well, it's it's different because, so for example, when I was learning some of the guitar solos and the older stuff, you know, it's not really in my style. So it was, some of those older guitar solos are still kind of tough for me to, to pull off. So I kind of had to like change them just slightly to help me get through them a little bit. But being able to, you know, write guitar solos on this album in my own style feels really nice. Um, I progressed in thinking probably more with songwriting than I have with guitar playing, for sure. Just being able to sit down with Dauber and Cammy and stuff like that and go through it. Oh, that that's incredible. And yeah, I mean, especially when you're able to be in a band like Oceans of Slumber and you start to realize how important the songwriting is, let alone being able to learn the riffs to everything, what the instrumentation is going to be, what you're going to be playing for a solo. I mean, so much of that songwriting is so important to make sure that you can make the song the best that it possibly can be. So when you do have those opportunities to play a really cool guitar riff or a fill or a full-on solo, they mean that much more yeah for sure oh that's so cool and yeah i mean again you know just thinking about everything that's going on right now and all the praise that's been going on for this album seeing all the great things that's been happening with uh cammy as well too i mean uh be, like uh being a part of the new arian album which i thought was just coo so cool to see that and you know just uh, seeing you guys uh working so hard to promote this album even still i mean 
Yeah, I mean, just thinking about what it would be like for those upcoming shows, hopefully getting back to that at some point in time. I mean, I'm glad to see the formation of where Oceans of Slumber is right now, and I really hope that everything will be able to prevail and make those live shows and tours happen. Uh, definitely, me too. I'm really jealous of all the European bands who are starting to get back at it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I, I do see some American bands are actually going to be uh, potentially traveling to Europe, so that might be one possible thing that could happen in the future, but, yeah, I mean, just, you know, just the sidetracking that's happened this year in 2020, and that's all the more reason why I'm very thankful that the album still came out, because I know there's some artists that are waiting until, like, 2021, or waiting for that opportunity to be able to tour again before they even release the album. Oh, yeah, we were definitely worried and prepared for the fact that, you know, just just due to the circumstances that it wouldn't do super well and it would kind of get covered up a little bit just because of this whole thing and not being able to tour uh, but it seems to be pushing through it so thankful for that oh very much so uh, so uh, thinking about that in mind I mean when you were able to actually uh, still have the album come out and you were able to work on the album and work on your parts as well like did you mess anything at all with your guitar rig or anything? Like, uh, did you try anything new, different kind of setups or anything? So, one of the main things that we did that kind of um, led up to this album, so when we when I first joined, it was to go on tour with Fall of the Sun. Um, and that was backlined for amps and stuff like that, so it wasn't much of a worry. I was just like, I want to get my pedal board ready for that. And then after, you know, carrying these orange cabs that are 4x12s that weigh like 5,000 pounds upstairs, you're like, I'm tired of this. <laughs> and so uh, we basically tried to mobilize it for Europe tours to not have to do backline. So I ended up, on my board, I ended up getting, you know, a preamp and a cab sim so I can just go direct in. I can still use amps and stuff like that, but... After I got home from our second tour using that, I started playing around recording with just that rig, and it's, I mean, it's phenomenal. So, funnily enough, a lot of the guitars that we recorded, we ended up recording the final tracks at Dauber's house, and then we would uh, go into the studio later. We would just go direct in, and then we'd go to the studio later, and then we'd reamp them. Wow, I, I never would have guessed that uh, so much of it was direct in, and then uh, being able to rework it in the studio. I mean, that's, that's just so cool, and it really shows the... The power of technology, too, and how user-friendly it really has become. I mean, especially when you're a touring musician and you do get the opportunity to be able to tour the world. I mean, you don't want to have to carry these uh, gigantic uh, amps and cabs, and especially when you're going up uh, like flights of stairs that have like nothing to hang on to except uh, just pushing the amps up and stuff. So, I mean, if you can minimize that and it still sounds as good as it's coming out right now, that's such a great way to go about it. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, there's nothing, there's, there's no feeling that compares to having that guitar amp behind you playing through that, but the convenience of it is definitely a boon. Oh, absolutely. And I, I feel that way with, with my drum as well too like i mean it's like the whole thing with like a going to double pedal or two bass drums like the sound of two bass drums like there, there's no cooler feeling when you're playing metal and you have two giant bass drums and you're able to play that and it makes the drum set look so cool but you know for the convenience factor being able to have a double pedal so you don't have to uh, waste another two by two uh, feet of space in the van or the trailer or whatever the case is and just having that convenience factor you know it's like it's not always ideal but when you can make it work and you can make it work well it's worth it yeah and it's also like pushing through the taboo of thinking you know oh they don't have amps on stage and it's like at the end of the day the fans in the crowd don't really care as long as it sounds good oh and that is so much the case too i mean 
especially when you're doing like European festivals and you're far enough back at like Vakken or something where you can barely even see the stage, you're not going to care if you can see all the amps on stage. You're just going to care about what that sounds coming, what that sounds going to sound like through the PA. And, you know, just uh, seeing what you guys have done so far with that. I mean, obviously it's just a lot of uh, YouTube bootlegs that I've heard so far uh, uh, within the last year, but you know, it's, it's still coming out so very well. And, you know, I just imagine when the more that you get comfortable with that kind of setup, the, the easier it's going to get. And, yeah, and just the band being able to have that convenience factor, being able to set up and play. Yeah, the, 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 really the only complication with it is, you know, an amp on stage is kind of your own personal monitor that you can kind of control. But when you're going direct in, it's like all up to the, the sound guy to make sure you can hear yourself. So that can get it a bit awkward at times, but it's, it's not the end of the world. So was there a bit, a bit of a learning curve when it came to that? Like, uh, you know, obviously every room every stage is going to be uh, different but like uh, how did you learn how to dial in the sound so you can actually hear yourself on stage uh it's not so much a learning curve for me it's more of working with the sound engineer as much as i can to make sure i can hear myself oh that actually that actually does make a lot of sense yeah it's i was just wondering if there was like a anything about like if, if you had to switch anything on stage or if you had to do anything with the pedals or uh anything just to make sure that you could hear through it but yeah i mean as long as the front of house has got everything so solid and you you have that good communication i imagine that you can fix everything as quickly as you need to yeah for the most part i really didn't have to mess with my pedals unless it was like some weird effect i was like eh, i'm not super happy with this but for the most part volume wise or anything i really didn't have to do much just like can i hear the kick drum and snare then i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and, and when you got dober playing uh drums behind you i mean if you can't hear the bass and snare then every, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on i mean he is an absolute beast behind the drums and he's such a well-rounded multi-instrumentalist and i mean whenever you see him play i mean whether it's insect warfare whether it's oceans of slumber whatever the case is i mean when he's playing drums i mean he just pounds those drums with such finesse it's incredible and it's it's kind of fun like in a challenging way to because you kind of when he does some of these really interesting feels it's like you really have to pay attention to find where that beat is and sometimes it's like and in the vein of like stuff like Alice in Chains or stuff where they didn't really, you know, record to a click track or something like that, it'll drag the beat a little bit, which feels really natural and it sounds good in the song, but it's still fun to, to keep up with it. Oh, totally. And it makes me think of a return to the earth below. I mean, when he's doing those like gigantic fills during the verse, which you don't always expect, but when you just hear him going off right before the pre-chorus, it's just so cool to hear that. And, you know, be, being a drummer, you, you're still trying to figure out where the one is coming in on that so i can imagine that it, it took a little bit with that but it's just so cool to be able to hear that back in the final product yeah for sure and it's uh for the simple fact that we don't use inner monitors and we don't use a click for the most part cami uses inner monitors but we don't do anything to a click or a backing track and we do that on purpose so that you know if the move the mood of the song is when we're playing live is drifting a certain direction that's kind of like you know more mellow or something we can actually change it on the fly oh yeah and you know it, it shows again you know it's like, uh, do, do you want the show to be perfect or do you want it to be real? And I always find real and memorable. That. Yeah. And when you're able to not have to worry about the metronome and you want to be able to slow a part down and everyone knows to slow it down or just get the feeling right or vice versa, having it a little sped up. I mean, it, it, there's just something to be said about like a band being able to have that ebb and flow with the tempo, let alone the rest of the music. Yeah. And it comes with um, just, a, I guess it's like a natural brain thing. For example, with the song Apologue, you don't realize how slow the song actually is until you're like, listen back to it. Cause if you're practicing it, it's like, Oh, it's such a 
raging song. I just want to play it fast and aggressive. And you listen back to the recording, you're like, wow, this song's kind of slow. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I learned that myself, too. I mean, when I was, like, trying to learn Dober's parts, uh, just trying to jam along myself. And when when you look at the tempo on that, I mean, it really does shock you. Like, some of the, the songs that you feel like it's so much faster or slower, and then you seem to be way off when you look at the tempo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just so cool. And yeah, again, you know, just uh, thinking about that in the future and just being able to go out there and show off more of this album live, give it that real live uh, promotion that it deserves. I mean, I mean, you guys got so many songs in the back catalog now being able to do this and um, very excited to see what's going to be happening in the future as well. I mean, whenever you guys start working on the next release, because with every single Oceans of Slumber album, I mean, it feels like it has its own feeling behind it where you can't say that two albums sound the same. So, I mean, if this is where you guys are at for the self-titled album, I, I can't wait to see all the changes that are going to be coming in uh, since you guys were able to join into the band and, you know, just becoming more comfortable with the songwriting between all of you. Yeah, definitely. And I'm kind of excited because... You know, in this all this downtime and stuff like that, it's like, well, it's going to be natural that you're bouncing ideas off of each other constantly, even before albums even release, you're like already excited for the next one. Oh, it's so true. And especially in a year like this and when so many artists are waiting to actually release their album, I mean, they're probably working on like another album, two albums, three albums worth of material waiting for the the album that was supposed to come out this year to come out. So, you know, I, I can just imagine, you know, uh, being able to sit down on these songs, learning these songs knowing how everything goes and just being you know just uh chomping at the bit to be able to see what else you can add to the band yeah for sure and you know another great thing that i do appreciate about the album so much and about oceans of slumber as well i mean uh the fact that uh, the covers are so cool within the band i mean of course uh myself being able to discover the band through blue and just seeing like all the variations that they were doing on music it was really great to see that there was a typo song that actually helped close out the album this time around and my favorite part is reading the comments of people saying we're like low-key the song this version is a little better and we're like yeah, that's pretty cool <laughs> Oh, I absolutely love what you guys did with it, too. And, you know, I, I do appreciate it when a band is able to put their own spin onto a song. And, yeah, I mean, when I think of how many times I've listened to Wolf Moon, like, I'm actually checking out your guys' version of it way more than I listen to the Typo version. And I think that's just an absolute great sign that you guys have done such an amazing cover. When we try to approach covers with the philosophy of, like, you don't, you, you want it to sound like an Oceans of Slumber song. You're not trying to just play the song verbatim back to the fans stuff like that it's like there's no point and so when you go on the radio and you hear people doing covers on like a you know Tears XM Liquid Metal and stuff like that it's like Anthrax versus whatever or some random band I've never heard of and they're doing an Alice in Chains cover and it's like you just played the song how it is like you didn't do anything different so why would I listen to that one oh it's, it, it's so true I mean I, I always feel like when you do a cover you gotta be able to add something a little bit different to it so, I mean whether it's the tone whether it's the tempo whether it's style i mean there's so many different ways that you can go about it but as long as you can try to pay homage to the song but also make it your own i feel that's the reason to do a cover yeah definitely like taking strange fruit and adding double bass to it <laughs> <laughs> oh absolutely and you know with that again i mean it's just incredible to see what you guys were able to accomplish here with the self-titled oceans the slumber album and uh, i've been seeing so many great reviews from 
Uh, new fans, old fans, uh, easily one of my favorite albums of 2020 without question. And, you know, just seeing where you guys are at right now, and hopefully with things getting back into normal so you guys can tour behind this album or uh, whatever release comes next, depending on how long things go. And, you know, it's just, it was really great being able to talk to you about that. I mean, especially with you being newer to the band and being able to have those experiences of being a fan, now being in the band, and what to look forward to in the future. It was amazing to get your insights into what it's being like in the band. Yeah, for sure.
and welcome back to the show you just got done here in Oceans of Slumber with a return to the Earth Below off the 2020 self-titled album which is available now through Century Media. And before that was my interview with Alexander of Oceans of Slumber. Coming up now is my fourth and final interview for the show this week and this is with the legendary guitarist Juan Garcia. Let's talk about the brand new album from a band returning from the grave, Evil Dead, with their brand new album United States of Anarchy which is available now through Steamhammer. In this interview, I talked to Juan Garcia about bringing back Evil Dead from the dead, what to look forward to in the future with that, brand new body count in 2021, and so much more. And following my interview with Juan of Evil Dead, you'll be hearing the song The Descending, the first track of 2020 album United States of Anarchy. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Josh. I'm good. One. Oh, awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for taking time to do this interview. Thank you for the interest, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm so happy to be able to do this. I mean, between all of the work that you've done with your career, it's be able. It's really great to be able to talk about the brand new album from Evil Dead with United States of Anarchy coming out. It's on the 30th through Steamhammer. Uh, I've gotten the chance to be able to check out this album over the course of this week, and yeah, this is exactly the kind of album I needed in 2020 right now. Just that classic throwback to that thrash metal, but with the lyrics that are so poignant to what's going on today. It's just a perfect metal album to me. Well, thank you. Uh, I have to say that um, it's uh, if we didn't plan it out, way uh, it's kind of kind of weird how it all worked out. As far as uh, some of the material was written, you know, uh, the lyrics were written uh, back in the '90s, and and the cover artwork was inspired by the movie Soylent Green in the '70s, starting Charlton Heston and uh, a little inspiration from the L.A. riots. So it just has the Nostradamus effect the year 2020. It really does. I mean, it, it just, you can tell those inspirations from the album cover, especially if you lived during that time in the 90s, but you look at it in 2020 now, and it just, it fits so well with what's going on. And, you know, the oh, fact... absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, f- the fact that there was material written yeah. all the way back then that fits like it fits together so well here in 2020 as well. I mean, it really says a lot of what you guys are capable of writing. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it, it, yeah, it's it's one of those things uh, that it's <laughs> I don't it, the way it, it, it has evolved as a band and us getting back together and, and um, coming up and recording this album. It, yeah, it's been very uh, surreal for sure. And what was that like when you guys finally decided that uh, you should make a new album? Well, let's see. We tr- we started back in 2009 when we got back together. Yeah, the band broke up in the 90s. We we gave it a shot. We played some live shows. It was it was a very very positive experience as far as playing the shows and and, and discovering that we still had a, a good fan base a, a, and a new fan base and at the same time a very young uh, fan base of youngsters coming to the shows and of course all the old school fans as well so that that was a positive thing then it took a while to get the right um, group of pe- uh, band members involved to, to get serious and do a record I mean I think the key factor was getting our original vocalist Phil Flores back in the group or around two 2016 is when we started getting serious about finally recording a record. Even though we had the idea back in 2011, yeah, it'd be cool to do a record. You know, one thing is to say it'd be cool to do a re- record. Another thing is to get down everybody on the same page and set a goal and, and, and just tackle the task. 
So it started around 2016 as far as, uh, you know, going 100% in. Yeah, and, you, you know, with all that time, too, I mean, I'm glad that you guys were able to take the time and make sure the record was going to be everything that you want to be as well. I mean, rather than feeling like it had to be force-fed, you know, f uh, out there as fast as possible, because when I, I really feel like when a record is really given the time to be everything that it deserves to be, it always turns out so much better. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we, we took our time with this um, release, and all the band members stepped up to the plate. Um, phenomenal work. A lot of great con contributions from our drummer, Rob Alanese, and, and our, our lead guitarist, uh, Albert Gonzalez. Again, Phil Flores on the vocals. Carlos Medina uh, on bass. And, you know, everybody just brought their best effort forward. And, and um, I'm very glad that we are uh, dropping this album in, in two weeks on October 30th. Oh, definitely. And I'm glad to see that the record is still coming out, too. I know in 2020 that uh, so many things have shifted, uh, especially in the music world with uh, releases and touring and playing shows and everything that goes into being a musician. I'm still glad to see that the record is coming out this year. Yes, uh, that was one of our goals. We, we didn't want the pandemic to to beat us you know we, we felt that it was important to get it out before the election because you know it is a, a bit of a politically charged album and, and just to me you know it just if we left it to, you know if we left it and not put it out in 2020 i, I just felt we, it, it would be just i don't know it, to me it just felt it was important to get it out um in 2020 yeah and the the more that you do listen to the album and the more that you listen to the lyrics you really do hear that social commentary that's going on and it, again it's just it's so poignant for what's going on now and you know the the fact that it correlates so well to what's happened in the past as well too you know it just it, it shows that history can keep repeating itself over and over no matter what the year is absolutely you know um history does repeat itself uh you know m maybe moving forward this time as a human race will learn and, and uh evolve you know that remains to be seen and uh, but i'm just glad the album is finally coming out man we put a lot of, a lot of hard work into it yeah that's what i appreciate about it so much i mean you can tell right away when you look at the album cover that there's so much detail into it and there's so much symbolism that's going on into it and then when you actually start to listen to the album like you can hear the production being so clear and you can hear everyone shine throughout the album and the riffs just hit you so hard i mean just like everything together in this half hour release is just everything that i would have wanted you guys to make in 2020 yeah well thank you so much um like i said man i mean we've we've had this vision of doing this album it was just a matter of time and it took longer than expected no doubt about that you know um, but i'm just glad that it, it to me it was like it was unresolved the way the band just kind of disbanded it's it, it was something that needed to be done i mean i've just felt that very important to get this third record done and and move forward you know just deliver something important to the metal community i, I think it, it has that effect that kind of an album oh it absolutely does and i hope others feel that as well too i mean again you know it's just like it's it's great throwback but it's so perfect for what's going on in the world right now. I mean, lyrically, musically, production, it just like everything together just fits so well with what's going on. And, you know, the, and the fact that Evil Dead was able to come together and make this third album and, you know, go through all the trials and tribulations of being in a band and yeah. finally getting this third album out. It's so cool. Yeah, no, it's not easy, man. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but 
we're just grateful that, to get the opportunity to, to uh, record this album and, and work with Bill Matoyer and producing the album and, and just kicking ass. And, you know, we, we our goal is to play live, you know, play these songs live. I mean, one thing is to record them. Playing these these songs live, we've had the opportunity to test drive some of these songs already on a live front. I, I can't wait to play them live again because now once the re- record's out, people will know the songs better. And, and I think one of our po- uh, positive things of the band is uh, delivering the music live. You know, this music is meant to be played live. Oh, 100%. I mean, when I got done listening through the entire album, I mean, everything on there feels like it was meant to be played in that live setting. I mean, as great as it sounds on record, I just imagine the live shows are just going to sound even better than that. Yeah, that, that's our goal. Our goal is uh, to deliver the music live. Uh, you know, now that the album is recorded and finally going to see the light of day. And another important thing that when we went into this is uh, we wanted to have shorter songs to the point, and I think we did that on this album. Um, I'm a big fan of short albums, you know. I, I love Slayer's Rain and Blood. Um, at Power Trip, Nightmare Logic is another record I like a lot. It's just short to the point. So we wanted to make that type of record. I, I know some people would rather have more songs, and I, I get that. So, you know, maybe down the road we'll record some extra bonus material and, and, and have it available as singles, you know, to complement United States of Anarchy album. Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And, you know, that that's another great way to be able to look at it as well, too. I mean, especially when it comes to any kind of art and entertainment, you always want the fans wanting more. And, you know, the fact that this is such a killer half-hour album, I mean, it definitely leaves me wanting more. and It gets me so excited to see what could happen in the future. Yeah, that, that was our, our goal. You know, we, we didn't want to, I mean, I have nothing against bands of 10, 14 songs, records. That's, that's great. I, I've been involved in bands that do that as well. Um, but our goal with this album was just, you know, just nine, ten songs, keep it keep it to the point, and, and just uh, kick-ass riffs, and, and just keep it simple, you know? We, we didn't want to overthink it too much. Oh, yeah, and that's another reason why I do appreciate the more stripped-down this album is as well, too, because, I mean, it doesn't feel like there was any fats on this album whatsoever. I mean, everything is straight to the point, heavy and aggressive, and, and then when you get to know Difference, being able to have that jazzy kind of intro do it, yeah. too, I think that was such a great way to be able to have the middle of the album right there to be able to break things up a little bit but you know the fact that it is so heavy and fast and it's just so in your face for a half hour i mean you need those kind of albums that are just there and leaves and it makes you wanting more yeah uh, i love the no difference little jazz intro you know albert gonzalez is a great guitar player and and he he wrote that back in the 90s man that little jazz intro all right the original idea was wanting to make it sound all old and, and and creepy sounding as far as the production on the intro, um, kind of like uh, the Accept record, uh, Fast as a Shark, the way it starts off all like an old recording. We tried to do that, but it sounded so good, clean and just crisp that we just, you know what, let's just, why make it sound old when it sounds so good uh, the way it sounds? So we just kind of left the, the in- intro to No Difference Alone, and that's a killer song. I mean, it's... Uh, it's perfect. Oh, definitely. And yeah, I think I think it's so cool to be able to have an intro like that to kind of just break things up a bit because when you're listening to the album for the first time, you do not expect something l- like that intro for no difference. And you know, it's it's a quick little left turn until it kicks right back into the chaos. And I love it when a band can do that and it still sticks together and fits so well. Yeah, it was very natural. I mean, we, we just we just uh, thought it would be perfect as a track number five and kind of break things up. You know, um, I, I like record stuff like uh, albums that have a little a little intermission you know oh totally. you can breathe a little bit before the next heavy guitar riff comes in <laughs> oh exactly and no difference definitely has that heavy riff that comes in right after it's so cool right right 
right on. <laughs> so, you know, with that said, I mean, with the album coming out in just a couple of weeks now, I mean, what's the reception that you've been hearing for the album so far? I mean, I I know I love this thing from start to finish, and I'm I'm hoping what you've heard so far, others are feeling the same. Uh, I'd have to say like ninety ninety percent is positive. You know, uh, people are excited. The fans are totally excited. Uh, there's always people on the fans. You know, they're going to critique it. Um, I've heard some critiques here and there, but it's like, how can you judge it off, you know, one or two singles? Like, for example, it was a lot, our first single that we dropped in on the 18th of September was The Descending, and so there was, you know, there was people, some people were tripping out a little bit on the song, and, and we, today we just dropped off, we dropped uh, Word of God, a digital single and lyric video is out today, and uh, I think this song really got people excited, uh, like, okay, this is the evil that we're expecting. You know, of course we weren't going to give our best song first. You, you know what I mean? Uh, so I think um, the, the reaction has been very positive. You know, you're always going to get some haters, and I welcome it. You know, it, I like people that hate on it because that means uh, it inspires me even more. Oh, I can totally see how that would happen too. And I'm I'm really glad to hear that uh, Word of God was released as a single. I didn't even see that it dropped today. I mean, after we're done talking it, it, here, it, it I'm just definitely gonna be checking it, it out. It just dropped today. Yeah, I mean. It's not even like been ten. I think it dropped at midnight. You know, or the press release just went out today. Um, and uh, yeah, the lyric video and and uh, another uh, single on Spotify, and YouTube, and or, you know wherever uh, social music is, uh, social digital singles are. Up. Oh, that, that's so cool. I mean, I really love what you guys were able to accomplish with the lyric video for the descending. And I can just imagine with with the new single that uh, it's going to be one of those great uh, lyric videos as well too. I mean, especially when that is more of a throwback. To what Evil Dead is about. I think that will definitely bring around a lot of people who might not have known what to expect with The Descending. Yeah, yeah, it, that song kind of confused some people a little bit. It, to me, it, The Descending is a great live song. It comes off, off really great live. In a way that Descending, The Descending has like three chords. You know, it's kind of a strange song. It has almost like three chords courses it you know it has a every four years section it has rise of evil and it, 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 you know the descending so i can see where it can kind of throw people it can, it can throw people off a little bit like what's going on here but uh this new song word of god is uh to the point it just dropped today it's a uh, little background on the song about an angry god that pissed off at the human race for uh how it's slowly destroying the planet and all the stuff going on though so it's a uh, it's a pretty fun track the uh, lyric videos is fun and and um we just can't wait for everybody in the metal community to check out the record i mean give it a shot you know like you said you you went in and listened to all, all the tracks so to really experience a band i think it's important to, to spin the whole album you know all the tracks oh absolutely i'm very much an album guy like i don't even like listening to singles before i hear the full album because i want to be able to hear the full album in context like why was the first track the first track and uh why was the track order the way the track order was and just being able to see how those songs work and then seeing what the singles were and just showing off you know what the label thought was a good idea what the band thought was a good idea whatever the case was right. and you know just showing those two songs off i mean it's showing the different sides of evil dead in between those two tracks alone what's going on in 2020 and i think they were both great choices for that reason well thank you yeah I, um 
it was a combination of uh, the the label and, and, and us as a band uh, picking those songs. But we really didn't put a lot of thought into it. You know, we just wanted to get the songs out there. The descending to me fit better because of the election coming up. So I go, well, we should get this song out first. And then uh, Word of God, it, it was just, to me, it was a good representation of the band as a follow-up single so to get people excited about the album. Oh, yeah. It, and such a great choice, too. And I can't wait to check out the full lyric video for that. And yeah, you know, just with that as well, too. I mean, the fact that this is coming out, you know, the, the day before Halloween, you know, right before uh, the election comes in, too, just that perfect timing to be able to check out this album and just like really digest it in the weekend r- right before the election. I mean, you know, just that perfect timing, the way that the world has uh, been, you know, for positive for negative in 2020 and hopefully with 2021, hopefully getting back to some kind of normalcy and seeing those Evil Dead shows, seeing those body count shows happening again and, you know, just trying to get back into the, the world of live music again. Absolutely. I think uh, once this whole pandemic is over, I think we'll, we'll have a better uh, appreciation for music. I mean, I, I already appreciate music, but I mean, just the fact to get back into the live front, playing shows and, and going to shows and having that experience is, uh, we're going to have, a, as, a, as uh, people, we're going to have a better appreciation for music. Uh, I, I personally can't wait to uh, be able to do shows again and go to shows. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, being able to see that from both sides, whether you're on the stage or you're in the pit and you're able to check out all this great music, uh, whether bands are opening for you, you're opening for bands, doing the festival shows, uh, doing local shows shows you know whatever the the case is there's so many different experiences that you can get from that live music and it's such a tragedy that we had to lose that for most of 2020 and you know hopefully getting that back in 2021 and i just imagine that very first show back when you know things are more safe and sound than they were and you're able to just get up there and play a full set in front of a full crowd i just imagine that's gonna be the greatest feeling for you Uh, absolutely i mean we 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 definitely look forward to that getting back up on stage and 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 experiencing that and and being able to deliver this music live i mean yeah just uh one day at a time and hopefully we'll get through this soon you know oh yeah i really hope so because like we were talking about before i mean this album is something that's meant to be heard live and you know uh finally being able to uh go out and uh do some live promotion for the new body count as well too which is an amazing record you're on and it's great to be able to see in 2020 you were able to release two very stellar albums despite everything that's going on in the world yeah definitely didn't plan it out that way you know i mean uh, the idea was get the body count record on march 9th we were supposed to tour europe we were supposed to do uh the jimmy fallon show i mean there was so much stuff planned and all just got postponed and um uh it gave us it gave me time to work on the evil dead record i mean it was already in, in progress it, it, it was planned to come out this year um in in the summer you know it got pushed back a little bit because of the, of the pandemic scheduling recordings and stuff but i thought it was important to get it out uh in 2020 i didn't want to wait till 2021 i felt that that would have been just uh, a little too long though so, yeah it's a good accomplishment to be able to do these two albums during a pandemic i definitely did not been a re- really weird year man i mean for every everybody oh oh for sure and you know thinking back with the new body count album too i mean uh being a huge power trip fan myself i mean the fact that you were able to get one of the last studio performances of riley on a body count track i mean that's just incredible to say that you were able to play along with riley on a on a track like that before his passing and i have such a new appreciation for that song with everything that's going on in 2020 yeah point the fingers one of my favorite songs off the uh, body count carnivore album that came out in march of this year 
year. Um, yeah, Riley. I mean, I'm a, I was a big fan of uh, Nightmare Logic. I think it's one of the greatest thrash records up there. I mean, I'm not even kidding you. You know, for for a new band, for a newer band, I think that that's an amazing record. I like the, how the album is short and Riley. You know, short songs and Riley's such a great singer and great songwriter. His lyrics are fucking awesome. And for him to contribute to point the finger with with Ice T, man. I mean, come on, it's just fucking amazing. And I'm grateful, you know, that we were able to accomplish that. Oh, for sure. And you know, it's so great with uh, Body Count. Every time that you guys are able to get some guest appearances on there and show the different kinds of metal that you guys appreciate, and you know, always and doing the covers lately, it's so great to see you pay tribute to those bands. And and that brings me back thinking about uh, Evil Dead as well, too. I mean, with the the covers that you guys did in the past, and now being able to show the B52 some love on the vinyl version of it. I mean, that's so cool. That's such a cool way to be able to end the record. Yeah, um, it was an idea. The B52's cover. I know it's a strange song for Evil Dead to cover, but you know, we have, we have a very open mind when it comes to music. We just wanted to do something different. It was something that we wanted to do since the it's late night, late 89, 90, 1990. We, you know, we just thought hey, that, that would be a cool song to cover. You know, do a metal version of it. And uh, as far as the the keyboard parts, have Albert uh, Gonzalez play that on the guitar. He, he, he did such a great job with all his solos. So yeah, it, it's just it's just one of those songs that uh, I always wanted to cover because it's a strange song and it's a strange year. You know, I'm glad we didn't do it in the, in eighty nine ninety. I'm glad we did it in twenty twenty. It fits the album perfect. Oh, absolutely for sure. And it's all the more reason to go pick up uh, the LP version of this. I mean, let a, the album cover alone is such a great reason to be able to pick up the LP because I can just imagine how beautiful that will look in that full LP setting. But knowing that there is that bonus track on there to uh, fill up the rest of the album and you know just being able to show that you guys are more than what evil dead is expected of you i mean the fact that you can do right. these strange tracks and still be evil dead and have all that great power and finesse behind you guys i love it when a band can do that and you guys did it flawlessly well thank you so much yeah i mean credit the band we, we really uh just wanted to do something different you know that's all it is it's just thinking outside the box hey let's take a song and just make it our own style um and that's what we what we did with the b-52s and uh uh, Planet Claire version, and yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. I mean, I'm grateful to play music, to be able to play music, and and uh, it's been a positive thing being able to get this record done, and I'm glad it can see the light of day on October 30th. Oh, absolutely. And you know, with it, I think that's actually a fantastic note to end on. I mean, I'm, it's so great to see uh, everything that you were still able to accomplish in 2020, considering everything else that's going on in the world. And, you know, the fact that this album is still coming out and you're able to appreciate having this album out in 2020, right before the election, you know, the United, the United States of Anarchy on October 30th through SPV and Steve Hammer. It's such a great thrash album from start to finish, just a great half hour of great music. And, and of course, uh, being able to promote them a little bit for uh, the new body count, uh, which of course came out back in march with carnivore i mean two solid albums that you were able to play on so much to hopefully look forward to coming up in the future i mean it was great to be able to spend all this time talking about everything that you got going on in your world right now well thank you for the interest and thank you for the support and, and really i thank the metal community and, and uh, everybody that is interested in, in this style of music man it's it's uh it's it's fun to do man i mean you know you gotta have fun in what you do if you have fun in what you do it doesn't even feel like work you, you you know what I'm saying? So um, I'm just glad that I put out two great albums this year, you know? Uh, 
credit to the band. I mean, Body Count, Ice T, just amazing artists, and, and uh, Ernie C and Vince and Will from Body Count, everybody, you know, our producer. And the new body count, uh, you know, we're going to hopefully get started on some stuff for 2021, you know. Uh, we've been talking about writing some new stuff, and so hopefully we'll get 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 some music done 2021, maybe an EP. But at the moment, I'm focusing uh, on promoting this Evil Dead record, and I'm very excited about it. Oh, that's so killer to hear. And again, I can't wait to see everything that does happen with both body counts and Evil Dead. And, you know, being able to see Evil Dead come back now and being able to put out such a killer third album here i can't wait to see all the show opportunities uh festivals everything that can come up in the future but for both bands but especially with evil dead you know having that resurrected and finally being able to play that music once again absolutely you know i, I treat both bands completely equal as far as uh focus uh i'm thankful that i can do both you know uh, you just it, it's possible. You just got to be focused. You know, I, I know some musicians who play in a lot more bands. I, I don't, I, that I don't see how they do. You know, for me, one or two is uh, enough. And I like to put 100% into everything I do. And I'm thankful to play in such an amazing band like Body Count. And, you know, I'm very thankful that I was able to resurrect my old band, uh, People Dead, deliver some new music in 2020. Oh, the mighty dollar, now we the people! 
Welcome back to the finale of the show. You just got done here in Evil Dead with The Descending off the 2020 album United States of Anarchy, which is available now through Steam Hammer. And before that was my interview with the guitarist of Evil Dead and of Body Count, Juan Garcia. And that just about does it for the show this week. Thank you so very much for tuning in and checking out my interviews with them. Shh. Oceans of Slumber, and Evil Dead. Make sure to tune in next week for some brand new music and some brand new interviews. Check out thatgermaguy.com for all of your German guy needs. And if you're in America, if you're over the age of 18, and you're not a felon, make sure you vote. This is the biggest election of our lifetime. Make sure you go out there, make your voice be heard, and I hope you make the right choice. And until next week, this is That Drummer Guy saying, see ya. This has been my show, This is That Drummer Guy. Tune in next week to hear some brand new music you may not have heard yet and check out brand new interviews from bands you'll want to check out stay up to date with everything that drummer guy on facebook twitter instagram youtube and that drummerguy.com for all of your drummer guy needs intro and outro music is provided by cloud kicker support cloud kicker cloud kicker that drummer guy is a creation of josh ronquist any other use of that drummer guy without consent is prohibited all rights reserved until next time Hang in there, stay positive. It's worth the fight. I fucking promise you, it's worth the fight.